You're listening to Boca Banner, a photography podcast with Joe High and Chris Golden. On this episode... I hate bees. Indiana Jones was scared of snakes. Joe High is scared of bees. Did you have a traumatic accident as a child? You never like fell into a hornet's nest or anything to actually warrant this irrational fear? Irrational? Welcome back, everybody, to Boca Banter. I'm Joe High. And I'm Chris Golden. How's it going today, Joe? I'm doing pretty good. Again, we're talking over each other. My apologies. Ah, no worries. It, it's overcoming a little bit of lag. That's always the challenge. Yeah, I don't think we even bothered syncing up this time, and, and that's okay. Hey, how's uh, how's our May winter treating you? You know, not too shabby. Had to. Uh, I, I bought $100 worth of herbs and flowers and stuff to get ready to plant. They are all currently sitting inside of my room right now. To keep them <laughs> from freezing over. To keep them from freezing over. Yep, we've had a couple dustings of snow here, which uh, is not uncommon in the spring, but it's pretty uncommon so close to June. Yeah, I mean, it's at the time of this recording, it's like the second week of May. It should not be snowing at this point, but it's New no, York. I, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of curious which curse ancient Egyptian tomb we opened to unleash first a plague <laughs> and now a snow. And murder hornets. That's a thing now, too, apparently. And murder hornets. Yep, yep. So is that just, is that even in New York yet? Or is it like just, I heard it was in Washington, like these giant wasps that if they sting you you die yeah something crazy like that i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know like... i've got too much to worry about here in new york than <laughs> death by giant bees yes we've got regular bees to contend with yeah i hate bees you know how some people have like indiana jones was scared of snakes joe high is scared of bees really yeah did you have a traumatic accident as a child i mean i got stung a few times but traumatic no i just you never like fell into a hornet's nest or anything nope. to actually warrant this irrational fear? No, but that um, irrational, it's not irrational. They can sting you, man. It hurts. Bees are great. Well, I, I mean, bees as... They're all fuzzy and chunky and everything. If you're afraid of hornets, I understand that. But if you're afraid of just bees in general... I am pretty scared of bees. I don't really have... I mean, my least favorite are yellow jackets and hornets, but... I don't think anybody loves yellow jackets and hornets, and I think that's why they're so angry. Yeah, they're just little devils. Uh, but, I mean, honeybees aren't evil, but I I do I do still fear them. <laughs> my strange, know. irrational fear is my legs being broken backwards. Oh. Like, you know how you kick your legs up at the end of the day or something? Like, if you put them on the coffee table or just kind of set your feet up. I have some irrational fear that, like, part of the building will collapse or a bookshelf will get knocked over and then they just snap the other way. Oh, that's pretty much the only thing that terrifies me. Oh my gosh. What? I, I, I have no <laughs> idea why. <laughs> that's horrible. How, oh my gosh. Now, every time I recline watching TV, I'm going to be like, oh my gosh. I'm gonna, Cause our, our, t- our room with the TV is right under the room where our bed is. Oh, so now I'm going to be oh, fearing yikes. this all the time. <laughs> Thanks a well, lot. Sorry Chris. to plant that seed. This is supposed to be a, a happy show, you know, where we talk about creativity and photography and ways to make you smile with creating that kind of artwork. And we're starting this off by like, hey. Killer bees and broken legs. <laughs> That's a good episode title, Joe. Fantastic. Okay. Maybe we should move on to what we're actually talking about here. You and I had been discussing the topic of smartphones and integrating them into a photographer's life. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think it might be an interesting topic that's uh, not necessarily like cell phone photography because, I mean, that's a show in itself. Yeah, but, and it's also not that 
new of a topic. I mean, everybody has that debate about should, I mean, everyone's a photographer now because they got a f- camera on their phone. Yep. And every brand new smartphone campaign says it's DSLR quality. Well, yeah. I'd, but I've, anyway, have yet that, to see that's that. another tangent. But uh, yes, yeah, so using it more as a tool in the photographer's toolkit. And uh, there, there's plenty of different kind of cool solutions that you could use that I think that would be kind of warranted to talk about. So how many of these tools do you have to share with today's listener to Boca Banter? So I've got four tools, specifically in my mind at least, that have come in really handy, uh, you know, either getting ready for a shoot, practicing for a shoot, or while in the middle of a shoot. And uh, I figure it might be something we're talking about. And I think that you've got some kind of input to leave here as well, Joe. You've probably used a lot of these same applications. Yeah, from talking with you earlier, I, I think I do. But why don't you go ahead and, and hit us with these resources? Because maybe people are listening and they never thought to use their phone for these things. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about today is uh, I'm not going to give any specific names because it kind of changes from iOS to Android and there's probably 30 different versions of the exact same thing on the store anyway. But the first thing that I would recommend getting in your toolkit would be a sun positioning app or also a moon positioning app. So these are apps that basically will kind of give you an idea of whereabouts during the day over the course of, you know, like three o'clock PM, six o'clock PM, the sun will be. So you can use that for kind of planning out your shoot. Um, it's actually proven very helpful for me to discuss with clients regarding uh, where the sun positioning is going to be for like an outdoor wedding mm-hmm. for their timeline. You know, they say that they want to get a sunset picture at seven o'clock. Well, you're going to get a sunset at eight o'clock this day. When they, as opposed to trying to plan the sunset according to their schedule you look at actually at when it actually is yep so uh this particular app is actually kind of cool because it'll activate your camera and will show you kind of like a guiding track going from where the sunrise is all the way up through solar noon and then all the way down to where the sun is setting so it's actually really handy to kind of give you an idea of you know positioning if you're unfamiliar with the location that you're going to be shooting at it's a super handy tool i've used it multiple times i've blown a couple of clients minds because they were thinking oh we're going to have this set up over here and then i'm like well the sun's going to be directly in your eyes at this exact time so <laughs> they're like possibly how do you reconsider. know that <laughs> yeah it's kind of like a superpower yeah it does impress people when you actually bring, I have the same app. I know which one you're talking about and there is more than one version of it, but to actually be able to show them like, yeah, we're going to like, this is where the sun will be at sunset. So, uh, cause people don't think about that. I mean, I'm amazed at how often I have to explain to people like that, where the sun is makes a difference. And like people will say, oh, let's get a picture on this, um, this lake shore here, let's go over here. And then like that put the water at our backs and we'll take a picture and they're looking right into the sun or worse the sun is right behind them and they're silhouetted right you know? it's I mean, just something that you would normally consider i know like well i would normally consider it and it just seems to be obvious but i keep forgetting that not everyone's a photographer so to have an app that can actually show people like a- actually show them on the live camera on your phone like look see that tree over there that's where the sun is going to be at this time it's a very, very useful, um, useful app. If you wanted to get that tool, um, like I said, there's, there's, like we said, there's more than one app that can do this. So just go onto your app store or Android, Google play, w- whatever kind of app store you have, just search for sun positioning or sun tracking. Yes, absolutely. The other kind of handy thing, and this kind of goes hand in hand with that, um, 
There are also apps. The one that I have on my particular phone is just called Golden Hour. But basically, they will give you a specific time throughout the day that you're going to be getting those different types of skylines. So you pull it up, you punch in your location, or you let it geolocate you. And uh, it'll tell you at specific times when the sunlight will be at a particular uh, phase. So obviously, you know, your golden hour is right before sunset. Um, then it goes into like a bluer hour, and then you go into actual astronomical twilight, and it'll tell you by, you know, maybe 10 minute, 15 minute increments about when to expect those colors that you're looking for. And that's another really nice way of saying, okay, well, you know, if we're going to get into golden hour, it's going to fall between, you know, 645 and 710, for instance. So that's like your your prime time for portraits or whatnot. That can be re really useful for uh, landscapes too, if you want to hit those same golden times. But I, I was I, I do have a question. Why do you have? Because I don't have this app. I just have the sun positioning tracker. Why do you have both? It seems like the sun positioning would do both jobs. It's kind of like like a fail safe sort of thing because you know nothing is perfect. So if you kind of match them up between the day, plus it makes planning your day a whole lot easier. So if you go up to them and say, you know, we're going to have a sunset probably about yeah, blah, 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 blah time. It's so much easier and faster to pull out that app than to go to the sun tracking one, pull the camera out, you know, figure out where you are in relative location to it, and then just say that. When you're planning out your day, you can go into your golden hour tracker app and just say, okay, on this date, it's going to be between such and such time. Okay. Have you ever done a, uh, a shoot outdoors, uh, landscape or otherwise, uh, th but not portraits that depended on uh, a sunrise and you had to like get yourself up at a certain time. Have, have you done that sort of thing or has it been, um, have you done any shoots that required an ungodly waking hour to actually hit the right time? Not that I can remember. No. Um, I've always wanted to go out and get sunsets and I'm sorry, sunrises. And uh, just for some reason, I have a hard time motivating myself to get out of bed, like mm. at a super early time, okay. unless I'm doing a big event, like, you know, a wedding or like when I was in school, I'd wake up super early for a test to make sure I woke up at the exact time that I needed to, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Okay. I was wondering because I feel like I should make you do that because it's a great experience. <laughs> yeah. The, um, I, I've been out for like, um, you know, I, do, I mostly do wedding photography, but I love doing landscapes. And it's a funny thing when you start to, especially if you're camping overnight and like you want to get a sun, sunrise in the morning, I found that I don't even need to set an alarm. I just, I just wake up before the sun rises. And maybe that's just the anxiety of actually worrying that I'm going to miss the shot. So I just don't sleep, but, wow. <laughs> but it is interesting to not to have it, it. I like to think of it as a superpower instead be like, oh yeah, I just instinctually know when and where the sun will be. I don't need no stinking alarm. <laughs> that's great. Boy, we, I, I'd yeah. love to see you try that. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. What we should do is we should go on a, we should find a place go out we should bring a tent we'll camp we'll take pictures we'll take pictures at sunrise and sunset and just camp the rest of the day that's what we should do that sounds great we I should actually, wait for it to not be snowing yeah that's probably a wise idea it's not too bad out right now but it sounds like more snows in the forecast perfect but aside from the snow like this would be something that you're interested in 
Oh, absolutely. Plus, I actually have to get a sunrise shot for uh, for the nine to five. Oh yeah, filming yeah, for you a told promo. Me, you told me that you were doing some uh, some work for your nine to five, getting the nature scenes, and then it started snowing. Did you just embrace the snow shots? <laughs> well, I, I not exactly that, but uh, I did text my boss saying like, "Hey, do you want me to go out and get some uh, some more kind of breath of fresh air spots for the winter? Because I can right now if you want." <laughs> it's New York is so weird with their weather. <laughs> it's snowing in May. I, I, this is not, this is unusual even for New York, I think, to be snowing this much this late. Yeah, it, it's a bit bizarre, but anyway, so on to yeah, the next on. application. This isn't a weather podcast. Let's move on to the rest of the tools you got here. Right. So the next thing up in the tool arsenal that I've got here is a, uh, a posing app. And there are so many different versions of these guys. And I wouldn't recommend that you pull this out in the middle of a photo shoot because it kind of looks unprofessional, but it's just kind of good sort of reading material almost like you flip on through these different styles of poses you know they have ones for couples just men just women uh infants newborns um even like adding animals to the photos if you want to just different ideas of things that you may not have tried they're very simple most of them are free and they'll give you good ideas of just like the basics of posing and kind of good uh what's the word i'm thinking of prompts that you can give your clients like um you know, like it gives up? you like verbal instructions to give your clients some of them do yeah like the one that, that i've handy. got for like the um you know the man and woman you're doing like an engagement photo or something like that and the guy kind of sneaks up on the girl and you kind of almost like a big bear hug wraps mm -hmm. his arm around her and kind of gives her a kiss on the cheek it'll actually give you prompts for like okay well we're gonna have you know, the woman stand over here and then he's just going to kind of be in the background. And then you take the guy aside and these apps will actually kind of recommend that you do stuff like this. And then you tell him, Hey, I'm just going to have you walk up right behind her, give a great big old hug, smooch on the cheek, and then I'll take the shot. And they had get a kick out of it. Hmm. I, I got that. That's interesting. I don't, I have not used an app like that before. I, I have had a couple things where it's basically a list of illustrations of different poses so that you can, you can kind of pull those out of your pocket when you need an idea for a shot. Um, but actually giving ways to tell the client how to hit that pose is a really good idea because the biggest problem that I, like you said, I don't want to have to pull out my phone and say, Oh, you see this picture? We're going to do this. Uh, and it's like little stick figures or, or little hand-drawn right. illustrations. It doesn't look that professional. So having those prompts is very good. And that's the kind of thing I would think that like, you don't depend on that as you go forward. It's meant to like give you ideas and help you moving forward, but it doesn't, it, it's not meant to be the crutch that you always carried on. It's like, eventually you won't need that app. Eventually you won't need to always check that list of poses. You'll just know it and you'll have things that you thought of yourself, but it gives you a place to start if you just are tr trying to gain ideas. And the last one that I have to add, uh, last kind of handy tip in the photographer's arsenal of apps. This is a little bit more of a niche one, but it is still part of a growing part of the photographer's toolkit are the many assets for drone photography. Oh, so not yes. only like, so not only like your manufacturer's app, because you're probably going to have flight to, app. to use that on your app, but there are so many other applications that are so handy. I'm actually a FAA part 107, a certified drone pilot. So i learned about these through the different courses that, that they've offered. So official. Doesn't it? I feel like I need to have some like shades on when I wear that. And, yeah, like, some aviators. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> 
but um, the the two that I use the most, apart from the official DJI one, uh, I use the DJI Mavic 2 mostly, but uh, the two that I use the most are called AirMap and Kitty Hawk, and I don't have a problem mentioning those because they're probably not going to change, and they're, I know that they're consistent between both of the stores. But the cool thing about these is that, you know, not only will it give you some kind of local laws and regulations and everything like that, but if you are a certified pilot, it will give you the option to get authorized clearance to fly in certain uh, no-fly zones. So depending on where you're located, you can launch one of these applications. If you have the cert right certifications, if you have your pilot's license and everything like that, it'll tell you and give you a list of prompts of where you can and cannot fly. It'll put you on the map. But you can actually go in and tell the app and say, hey, I want to fly here at this time. I have a visual observer. I plan on going no more than 100 feet. You know, you plug in all the information and it will actually communicate with air traffic control for you and will possibly give you clearance. That's extremely useful because mm -hmm. that's, that's the biggest thing is making sure that you're flying legally. So to actually be able to contact the people that would give you the permission. Right. And even if you don't have uh, a pilot's license for your drone, you can still fly it. Uh, and it'll tell you the exact areas where you can fly. Like if I pull it open right now, it'll tell me the closest proximity to all of the different no-fly zone airspaces, along with things like that you wouldn't normally consider, like an elementary school nearby, uh, a prison nearby, or any other no-fly zones that you wouldn't think of. And it'll also give you like different caution levels, um, all sorts of different things. You can even say that you're going to be flying at this time and you'll get a little flying notification if there's somebody else in your area using a drone. Interesting. Wow, that's a lot better than the app that I had for flying my drone because it was just the manufacturer's app and I thought that's what it did. I thought it would tell you like, hey, you're currently in a no-fly zone or you're in a good-to-go zone and it, it always seemed, it always needed updating. It was always wrong. It's really yeah. annoying. So uh, question, this is a little off topic, but you said you can fly without a pilot's license. Can you fly? Because I know that these are, the regulations are changing all the time for drones, but um, can you fly a drone for a job if you don't have a certification? I know that used to be the rule. Is that still the rule? I don't know if I should put this in the podcast because the answer may soon be changing. Drone laws are changing all the time. But as of right now, the recording of this, May 9th, 2020, uh, if you're flying commercially, if you plan on making a single dollar from a shoot or the company that you're working for is planning on making money off of the shoot, you do have to be a certified pilot. Okay. Well, I don't mind putting that in the podcast since you were so specific that this is how it is now, but it might not be later. Right. There but I can take it out if you want. There are a lot of rules and regulations that go with drone flying because it is such a, a new form of transportation, not transportation. It, it is a new form of, I guess, media, media, hobbyism towards a regular everyday consumer that the rules are changing all the time. And if you try and keep up with every single one of them, it kind of makes your head spin a little bit. But yeah, as of right now, if you want to fly it for a business, for any purpose whatsoever, you basically have to be certified. Okay, so you're saying I still need my certification to be able to do, like, real estate photography with my Mavic and whatnot? Legally. <sighs> the test isn't all that bad. The test prep is hard. It's the hardest test I've ever had to prepare for, but it's the easiest one I've ever taken. It's so flexible with you. Like, every single answer is multiple choice, and there's only three options per question. Uh you know, it's been a long time since I had to take a test that 
that, um, you know, that wasn't like a, which Star Wars character are you? <laughs> yeah, it's got a little bit more studying to it. There's some maps to look at and everything. You have to read some, uh, some aeronautical charts, but it's not that challenging. I mean, there's some specific videos that you can watch. Uh, one of the best study guides that I had out there, I don't know if you want to plug this or not, but uh, sure. the Tony and Chelsea Northrup photography YouTube channel has a excellent study guide for any drone pilots in training that want to be able to take the test. And it's not, it's not a lesson about like how to use your drone. It's a lesson on how to pass the test. I want to say it's about an hour and a half or so, but it's moderately up to date, even though it's probably like a year and a half, two years old, but it covers almost everything that you would want to have to go into your pocket with this test. Yeah. I, I really want to get my certification and upon your advice, that's the video that I'm going to be watching again to, to try to take it. Um, yep. I don't, I probably can't do it right now during quarantine anyways. I've got other things to do and I'm not sure if they're offering but you it right sure now. you sure can walk the video. You can watch the video. Definitely can. Yeah. So were there any other tools that you had uh, or was that the extent of your list? Not necessarily applications, but I kind of want to mention some kind of out of the box methods of using your phone that, Tips you know, you and might not smartphone tricks with Chris. Yeah, so uh, there's one specific example that I have in mind for this one. But when you have your phone on you, you have a light on you as well. Every single phone out on the market nowadays has a means of turning your flashlight on. And even though it might put out a very minuscule amount of light, that is still a light source that you could use as like a small kicker or an accent light. If you're doing macro photography, it's great. Joe is very aggressively pointing his flashlight at the webcam right now. <laughs> There's one specific example that I was thinking of where, uh, well, actually, Joe, it's kind of your story, but I'm involved. So go ahead. So, all right. I do know what the story is here. Um, at a wedding that uh, I was part of as a photographer, um, your wedding. It was yes. your wedding, right? Yes, it I was. I did this more than once. I think the first, yeah, the first time I tried this, it was your wedding, though. So, okay, so Chris was getting married. That's the setting here. And I was a photographer, and the videographer was there, too, and we wanted to get pictures of the rings on flowers, but Chris, in his infinite wedding planning wisdom, chose the darkest room possible to have his reception at. <laughs> so. And I also gave him a very limited amount of time. I'm a, basically a professional wedding coordinator. <laughs> You're awesome, Yes. You are my wife's main competition for wedding planning clients. <laughs> no. But anyways, um, we were getting the shots of the rings and it was so dark. And I was thinking, okay, well, I've got a speed light and all this stuff. But the rings are so small. We just basically made like a mini handheld lighting studio setup with my phone, Chris's phone, and our videographer's phone. And the shot looks so cool. We got these nice little sparkles going on the rings. And I'm like, this is a great idea. How did I, we not think of this before? So <laughs> it's right in your pocket, you know? I mean, for little macro shots, I mean, it's right there. Yes, absolutely. Just your flashlight. And speaking of macro shots, have you ever been uh, taking photos of like a set of rings or any other smaller object that you want to get a nice kind of classic reflection shot? Because you got a phone. And if you got a small enough object, uh, yeah. you got a beautiful object to reflect on. Well, you do if you don't have a phone like mine. I mean, if you want to have a nice um, glass crack texture underneath the rings, then my phone is the one you should have. But if That you... might be cool, but for, <laughs> for the shots that I'm envisioning, you know, 
uh, if you're taking shots at a wedding, you could spend a, a pretty decent amount of time looking for like the right kind of platter or mirror or something that you can get a nice reflection off of. But if mm-hmm. you can wipe your screen clean enough, you could set any small object on there and get one heck of a reflection shot off of it. Yeah. Uh, you know what else, though? I was just, I don't know why I didn't think of this before. I should actually take these with me to weddings from now on. Um, uh, the glass that go, what is it called? Uh, welder's glass? Is it welder's glass? It's the black glass that uh, welder has in their mask so that they can see what they're doing with the, the torch. Sure. Um, you can actually get those little like four by, like five by five panes of this glass and it's just black. And now that I think of it, that actually would be a good tip for a small macro reflection surface as well. And or it's probably in better shape than my phone. If you're in a pinch, you could probably use like a like a circular polarizer stopped down as much as you can. Hey, well, that's pr- that's a pretty small area. I guess if, it, if you're doing a macro shot, you possibly could. But another thing you can do with that same idea is um, you can actually take like an iPad or an iPhone and pull up some background picture uh, with some colorful background to be to reflect on whatever surface you have those those rings on and you get like this colorful creamy bokeh effect and it's just the reflection of your phone yeah cool little trick anyway cool little trick yeah so that kind of kind of wraps up my ideas here so sun positioning uh your golden hour applications all of your different drone utilities and a multitude of different posing apps open to you joe have you got anything to add well, I was going to ask, on the whole, do you think that smartphones... That, well, okay, I'm leading up to something here. So without getting too in-depth, do you think that smartphones have aided a photographer's job, yes or no? On the whole, I mean, I've never really experienced life as a photographer without them, but I would say absolutely, True. yes. Okay, I mean, so you think that like, as a photographer, your job is better off because you have a smartphone? Oh, 100% yes. I mean, as a photographer, talking strictly about getting clients, getting jobs, uh, being able to create shots, absolutely it is. I mean, being able to tell what the forecast is is a blessing right off the top. Um, yeah. You know, so, Google Maps to get you to your, all your different locations and find all of your different locations. Uh, as a communication tool, obviously, it's invaluable. Okay, You're well, let me, me be look. more specific then. Because like I said, I'm well, yeah, I'm giving you a look because I'm leading up to something. Do you think that... Uh, having a smartphone on you all the time. No, I'm sorry. I'm leading up to something. Do you think that having access to social media all the time has makes for a better off photographer or not? You know, I've learned a lot from other photographers on social media, but it's so easy to get the imposter syndrome from it. Like, you know, my shot will never be as good as X photographer or... You know, you spend your entire time, you know, swiping through different Instagram pages and all of them. It's the same thing as any type of social media. They're highlights of everybody else's life. So when you're going through and seeing all the highlights of everybody else, it just makes you feel worse. So I guess to answer your question, uh, it's great as an inspirational piece, but if I go any further than using it as an inspirational piece, it'll totally deflate my uh deflating my ego is not the right word to use it'll totally just suck all the inspiration out of me at a certain point 
Okay, so then let me get even more specific. Do you You're think just drilling that into me, aren't you? I am just going to pin you against the wall with this Man. question here. Do you think that your creativity is improved or do you think that your creativity is aided or hindered by always within arm's reach having social media? Do you think that your creativity specifically, not your business, not your quality of photos or your source, your resources and tools and everything, but do you think that it aids or hinders your creativity to constantly have your phone accessible, specifically social media? I mean, at the end of the day, social media is what you make of it. So if you're going on with the purpose of getting inspired, you're going to find something that inspires you. If you go on with the purpose of just sitting there and looking at better people's work, and all that does is kind of dig away at you and your own impression that you make of yourself, of course, it's going to be a poisonous tool. So I think that it, it's really go, what you go into the mindset of. Well, normally I would agree with you as far as like, you know, tools are whatever you use them for and the thing itself isn't actually bad or good. It's what you do with it. But I, I, I think I have to kind of disagree on that about social media specifically. Why is that? Because it's, well, you're right about the comparison. You get, it's easy to get imposter syndrome looking at everybody else's highlights of their life and be like, oh man, I wish I was in you know, Southeast Asia taking pictures of tigers on or snow leopards on a mountainside or, you know, whatever the people that are doing handstands on top of Machu Picchu and everything like that. But, um, I think that there's, okay. I think that a smartphone, I think that a smartphone actually gives you access to too much stimulus. I think that that's the that's the cost of having access to social media. That's the cost of having all of those tools at your fingertips all the time. They're good tools, but I think that I'm well, okay. Again, I'm not talking about smartphones specifically. I'm talking about social media. So let's just make that clear. Social media, I think gives you too much stimulus. And I don't think that new ideas and creativity can truly come i don't think you can exercise i don't think that you can boost your creative muscles by constantly getting pelted with other people's ideas i think that you have to have silence i think that you have to have uh to i was watching a video from uh sean tucker who's i uh, thank you again for showing me his youtube channel oh absolutely i'll put a link to it in the show notes but it was a video specifically about creativity and how ideas come in the silence, in the emptiness. It, he started off by like, why do you get your best ideas when you're in the shower? It's because the shower is usually the first thing you do in the day before you've done anything else, before you've talked to anybody else, before you've had any stimulus. So your mind is just fresh and empty and clear and um, well-rested and you start thinking your own thoughts instead of just responding and reacting to everyone else's. And that's why I frequently, more and more frequently these days, actually, I'll uninstall certain social media apps. I know it's not the greatest for business, but I, I leave it on my computer so I can still do things there. But I, um, it was too easy to get into the habit of just scrolling endlessly on a social media app and 
It did nothing. I would go on there hoping for inspiration, but nothing happened other than it just drained me. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty fair point. Although I think that kind of brings up the question of creativity. Do you think that creativity is something that is purely your own idea, or do you think that you can be creative based on someone else's idea? I think that you can be creative by building on the ideas of others. That's not... I, I, I would say that's being creative from inspiration, which is a great thing and is actually, you know, the point of what you and I are doing with this show. We want people to have new ideas by being inspired by stories that we're telling or um, pictures that somebody else is sharing on our Facebook group or somebody we're interviewing or anything like that. We're trying to boost creativity by showing ideas, sharing stories, giving inspiration. So yes, I think you can be, I think that creativity can be sourced from somebody else's creations, but the moment that it becomes creative is when you thought of something that nobody told you to do. So um, I, I'll say something bold here. I think that if you're doing something that was instructions that you found online, uh, it might be fun, but it wasn't creative. It wasn't an idea. It was following instructions. Interesting. Do you disagree? Well, I think that I'm probably the opposite. You know, I I do more based off of what I've learned from somebody else. Well, yeah, but you use that as a starting point to create your own things, right? To an extent, yeah. I mean, there's always part of putting your own personal twist on something, but I think that I'm much more creatively filled by watching somebody better than me doing something and then trying to take that and learn from it, gain the experience, and then using that as kind of like a, a jumping point to putting my own personal twist on it. Okay. Yeah. So I would say that the best way to use somebody, like, I think it is, I think it's good to find people. If I sound like I'm saying, don't look at other people's work because then you'll never come with up with your own idea. That's not what I'm saying. And I've done a very poor job of making my point. Um, so let me, let me try this. I think that a, a very good way to be creative and come up with ideas and, and scratch that creativity itch while still gaining inspiration from other people's works is to look at other people's works reflect on it, think about it, maybe try to copy it even for your own, just, you know, get techniques and stuff. But then at some point you have to have silence to let your mind kind of form its own ideas. Cause when, the, when it, when it becomes yours is, is when it came from your own mind. Like you might see, um, you might see another photographer use a specific technique and composition and subject matter, and you see how it all ties together to make this really great photograph. And you're like, oh, I, I never thought of doing that before. And then you go out and essentially do the same thing, but it's, uh, it's still, it's not your idea. But then you're like, you, you're taking a walk or you're, you're just waking up in the morning, taking your shower and you thought, boy, that was a really fun photo that I did. Oh, you know what? What if I did that, but I added an extra light over here? Or what if I also added this in? And then you do that photo. And then another day you're in the silence and ideas are coming to you. 
and you add on to the photo that you did previous to that. And then eventually you've got something totally new. I think that's the creative process and that's when it really becomes yours. And that's when it's most satisfying uh, because you're not, yeah, you started from somebody else's idea, but you really made it your own as you went along. But my point is that I don't think you can get to that point if you're constantly being bombarded with social media, because all social media does is remind you of what everyone else is doing that you're not doing. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's, that's kind of my point. Like, I think that it's great to get inspiration from other people, but to actually be creative on your own, you need to pursue some form of clarity in your mind. You need to pursue sometimes where you have no input. Maybe it's just me. I mean, I know that I have to have those times where I have no input. That's why I hike. That's why, um, you know, sometimes if I'm like, I had, I had a odd job yesterday, um, helping somebody out, they got a baby coming and we were putting up drywall in the baby room. And it was an hour commute one way, both ways, uh, both ways to his house and back. And each way I was thinking like, oh, I'm going to listen to a podcast and think, look, listen to some ideas and maybe play a YouTube video, not watch it in the car, just play the audio just for <laughs> disclaimer <laughs> there. But I chose not to. And I just played some ambient music that had no lyrics. It was just for the purpose of being silent and I'm like, I'm not going to try to solve any problems. I'm not going to try to think of any ideas. I'm just going to let my mind settle. It's like a, um, like a, like a, uh, there's, I don't know. There was a craft that we probably all did in elementary school where you had like a jar and it had like sand. Oh, popsicle sticks. Yeah. Popsicle sticks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no. I'm thinking of like, you had a jar of like water and sand and you'd like shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it and oil. And you shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, and it all get mixed up. And only when you set it down and gave it no stimulus could you see where the sand stopped, the water started, and the oil started. And that's how I think that your mind works. And when you're on social media, it's just getting shaken up. That's a very interesting point because my life is just so chock full of stimulus. Even when I'm in like the shower, there's music going, there's a podcast going. When I'm driving, there's something going. Maybe I just need to take a nice long drive and just listen to nothing. Maybe you do. I mean, I'm, I'm like you, most of the time I have something playing, but recently I've been like, I need to have time to not play. That's anything. a great idea. It's easier when you have a baby too, because you basically can't sit down and watch anything. So yeah. I'm sure you appreciate the silence more as a father. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, my, my daughter's not really the fussiest baby ever, thankfully, but she has her times. But you also, like, can't really have a conversation with a, a three-month-old. So any ideas that come very in the conversation... It is very one-way, yeah. Any ideas that come in the conversation were definitely yours, not the baby's. So, <laughs> so if you have a baby, spend some time with your baby. Get some get some new ideas. That's a good call. So basically, to kind of... No, absolutely, I do. So to kind of wrap it up, you know, a phone is a great tool in a photographer's arsenal. There's multiple different ways you can use it. There's ways that you guys have probably thought of that Joe and I probably haven't. So if you have thought of that, make sure to leave it in the description. And uh, as far as the whole social media thing goes, it's what you make of it. You know, draw inspiration from it. Don't do whatever it is that makes you feel whole. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and share your ideas. Uh, we've got the Boca Banter Photography Podcast Facebook group. That's where we're trying to get more people interacting. Um, we are still doing this month's photo contest. It's not a contest. This photo assignment, this photo mission. Ooh, um, mission. I like mission. that. How about that? Yeah. The monthly photo mission. Just the monthly Boca mission. Banter monthly mission. The BBMM. No? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> um, anyways, that's uh, well, we're still working on the. While you're commenting on that group, give us a better name for these freaking assignments. Yes. So, anyway, this month is. You want to recap what this month is? And by the way, have you done anything on the assignment this month? I've put a little bit of thought into it. Basically, the gist of it, you know, we have this little random roulette that'll generate, you know, what type of shot that we need to have, what the subject is, how you take it, and everything like that. And this particular month's one was. Uh, a shot of your desk, right? Desk space, office space, whatever. Office space, yep. Uh, with your longest possible lens at its longest possible point. So you got a 70 to 200. Well, you're shooting it with the 200 millimeter side of things. You know, you right, got a 24 unfortunate to 70. Challenge, you shoot but that's, to 70. Yeah, unfortunate challenge because, you know, usually you wouldn't be... Sh- <laughs> Usually you wouldn't take snapshots with your 200 millimeter lens, but that's In a the con- small confined space, so that's yeah. the challenge. And, I have uh, a pretty small office. Yeah, this is going to be a bit of a challenge. I've got a concept in mind, and I don't really want to spoil it here, but I, I've got something brewing. I haven't actually done it yet because it will involve moving my desk. Oh, wow. You're going all out. Oh, yeah. I The most I was going to do is clean my desk. <laughs> <laughs> that adds to the charm, though. Well, I don't know. There's stuff on this desk that doesn't look charming. <laughs> I'm not, that's, that's why this isn't a visual show. <laughs> right. There's a multitude of reasons why this is not a visual show, but that's one of them. Yeah. And there might be a number of things that have like personal information for banks and such. So I definitely want to clear that off. But anyways, that's the challenge. Take a long focal length shot of your workspace. And if you can try to include something that has to do with printing your photographs. That's yes. Bonus our bonus challenge. challenge from our guest Vlad Denko, uh, master printmaker decided to throw a little spin on it at the very end saying that if you can add something print related to your photo so be it It doesn't have to be a print but something to kind of show the world that you know you're taking your images to the next level i have a challenge for you chris since we're wrapping up here i think that i'm just going to end on this because i i just thought of it i don't know why all right hit me so i think that the next time we record you and i should have some thing to show for the challenge for the mission. All right. I think Sounds you and I good. have to have, even if it's not the final final shot, but we have to have something put some effort in. Yeah. This shows that we've actually been trying to find a really cool shot with such weird circumstances. Yes. And that we've goes for you too, listeners. Yeah. Take a crack dang at it. it. <laughs> so guys, if you are enjoying this show, great. We'd love to hear about it. We'd love to have you join the Facebook group and the interaction on there. The link is in the description. And you can also subscribe to this show on, let's see, so far we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. If you think we should be on another platform, let us know. But those are the ones we like, so we're on there for now. Great. Ending the show is fantastic. Ending the show is so smooth and professional every time like a train coming to a screaming halt (laughs) all right guys thanks for listening take care